Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another, unfortunately... Not as exciting as we'd usually like week of sports. That's how we start the show, and normally it makes sense. Unfortunately, for the past, oh, 60 or so days, it has not made sense. We have not had sports, and we've been trying to put a show together with as much excitement as we usually give to it when we have sports without it. So we'll try to do that again this week as more and more organizations, professional leagues, try as they might to figure out when they might return to the diamonds, to the fields, to the pitches, wherever that may be. Everyone's trying to find answers. States are split on it. Players are split on it. Higher-ups are split on it. We have no idea what's actually going to happen, but we can at least presume, assume, and go over where we stand now, specifically with the sport that most recently tried to get us back onto the diamond, of Major League Baseball. South Korea started baseball up. Their league is now on ESPN. If you want to stay up till 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m., right in my wheelhouse, Al. So, I mean, they're really pitching to my audience if I'm interested in turning on one of those games and watching. The interesting part of that decision is that South Korea and the United States both had their first coronavirus tests on the exact same day. They've got baseball. We've got our administration. We're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about how baseball may or may not come back. And the owners were the first to put forth on the table their proposal, if you will, of, hey, maybe this will work. 82 games starting in July, spring training in June. We'll make the postseason 14 teams instead of 10. But the money aspect of things, to no surprise, is, is not on the players' side, at least how they view it. And they met today on Tuesday to decide what they were going to do. Nothing was decided. This will continue now for days or weeks or we don't know how long. Can you put into any words or make sense of where we're at now with what the owners proposed and why the players might stick up their noses at what was on the table as far as having a season for 2020 this this time around well johnny first of all hello to you and all of our fans and welcome everybody back and we wish we had more to talk about in terms of what's going on on the field and on the court of course it's silent everywhere in terms of our majors and what you had today was the owners putting forth a proposition that has absolutely no chance in my mind of being accepted as it was proposed today by the players and for obvious reasons. Look, this is an opportunity for Major League Baseball. If, again, preface by the ability 
to safely put the product on the field. Is there any 100% guarantee? Of course not. But if they can come up with a scenario, whether it's Florida and Arizona, whether it's at empty ballparks within the same divisions uh, playing each other as well as across the leagues uh, in interleague, you know, AL Central, NL Central, AL West, NL West, East East, NL AL, et cetera, to mitigate uh, travel, minimize travel, and keep the players as closely together as possible. If they can do that, and that's obviously first and foremost, then it becomes how many games, when do we start, when do we finish, how many playoff teams, size of rosters, and obviously the elephant in the room, how are we going to get paid? And what they proposed today was an 82-game schedule, which I don't think will be acceptable to the players because obviously the players only get paid by the owners based upon the number of games played. Yes, they get postseason money, postseason shares, Oh, but that doesn't come from the owners. That comes from shares of playoff money. It doesn't come out of the owner's pocket. So I don't think there's any chance that you will see a revenue-sharing 50-50 split that the owners proposed today accepted by the players for many reasons. And look, we'll get to the reasons in a minute. But first and foremost, if they can put them on the field safely, and that's acceptable to the players, regardless of the plan, no matter where it is, if they cannot find a way to bridge their financial gap, and that's what keeps them off the field. And that's what keeps us from having baseball. It will do irreparable harm to baseball. Irreparable harm. Because they have an opportunity to seize the moment. They have the opportunity to be the only game in town. We don't know when the NBA is coming back. I don't know if the NBA is coming back. I don't even think the NBA is coming back. They're polling the players. I don't think there are going to be any more NBA games. I don't think this is going to be the NBA postseason. I think they are going to scrap it. That is my opinion. Whether or not that's the case or not remains to be seen because they can keep kicking the can down the road. Remember, they've been paid three quarters of their salary. They're not missing out on nearly the amount of money that baseball players are. Football is months away. So they have the opportunity to seize the moment, be the only game in town, be the only thing that people can watch because there's nothing else. People are dying to watch any live sports, any real live sports. So if you possibly get on the field, you must find a way. If they don't do it because they cannot have a financial agreement in terms of how they're going to split the money, how they're going to be paid, it will be absolutely positively unacceptable to me. I am a baseball fanatic. You know how much I love this sport. I love everything, but it's number one at special. My son's at one. My son is up at one o'clock in the morning watching Korean baseball. And in my prime, I would be just be coming home in time for the end of those games. But the point is, if you cannot find a way to distribute the resources and this this hogwash that I'm hearing, this nonsense, this asinine approach from the owners. Well, if we can't get them to bear enough of the lost revenues, we're better off not playing because we'll lose less. Well, if that's the approach you take, go to hell. Because let me tell you something. You're not thinking with any forethought at all. 
because what you are not taking into consideration is when you come back, you will lose so many fans. And I will be at the top of this list. I'll never watch another Major League Baseball game as long as I live. I swear to God, they can go to hell. I'll go watch high school games. I'll watch my son's college games. I'll never watch another Major League Baseball game as long as I live if they don't get on the field because of a financial obstacle that they cannot overcome. If that's what they're at loggerheads over, the players should not accept revenue sharing. I don't want to sound like I'm a players guy because I'm not. I'm, I know both sides. I understand both sides. I understand that the owners are losing money. I understand the players are losing money. Absolutely positive. But the players are going to get paid on a pro rata basis. They've already gotten the lump sum of money. And now they're going to get paid based upon the number of games played. The owners want to split revenues 50-50. Well, w- w- wait a second. If baseball was having a massive, massive, turnaround between fans filling the ballparks and revenues like no other time. Let's say for argument's sake, football got banned because of head injuries or whatever else. And there was nothing to compete with baseball. And baseball was back as the national pastime. And owners were making record amounts of money. Would they say to the players, well, you know, you want to know what? Uh, you know, we're making more money than ever. So let's give you some more. Let's give you a chunk of the revenue. No, there's no cap in this sport. It's not the NFL. It's not the NBA. They do not have a cap and a revenue sharing scenario on how they are going to get paid. The players are not paid based upon the amount of revenue and their share of it. They are not partners with the owners like the NFL and the NBA. They get paid salaries. They get paid on contracts. And there is a luxury tax. It's not a hard cap. You want to call it a soft cap? Call it a soft cap, but there is no cap. There is no revenue share. The best thing to do is for the players to go back to the table and say, we want more games so we can make more money and we'll take a pay cut. Not 50%, not 25%. Give a little back. Say, we need more games. We'll take a 10% pay cut. We understand everybody is getting hit. We know you're losing a ton of money. We'll give back some money. All right. In terms of our salaries, straight across the board, everybody takes a 10% pay cut, but you got to give us more games. Because if you give us more games, there's a chance to make more money. I don't care if you do double headers, seven inning double headers. I'll live with the universal DH for a year. It's coming anyway, even though I despise it. I'll live with it for a year. Give me 100 to 110 games going to October, play seven inning double headers. We'll find a way, get as many games in as possible. 50-man rosters, 30 active. Make sure to spread the wealth. As many guys as active as possible, get paid. Guard against injury because you know, you're know you putting more games into a shorter time period. Guys want to play. Guys want to make money. Guys want to get paid. That's the way you do it. You don't throw out a proposition that's totally contrary to the collective bargaining agreement. Say, now all of a sudden we're going to revenue share. Revenue sharing. Because what we contemplated before was based upon there being fannies in the seats. On the player's side, you've got to understand, look around you. Look around you. Businesses are failing. People are out of work. But people are dying for baseball. People are begging to watch something. Even if they can't go to the ballpark, they will watch anything that's live, anything that's real. Oh, they're going to watch those MMA. Right. Till then you watch. And I can't even watch them. I can't. I have no interest in MMA. I'm sorry for our listeners who love it. 
more priority. I can't watch it. I can't watch girls beat each other up. I can't watch guys bare fits and beat each other, beat each other, in the, you know, in the chest, et cetera, et cetera. I want, I want, I want my baseball. I want the NBA. I want the NFL. I want college football. I want college baseball. I want college basketball. Well, right now, the best opportunity to be the only game in town and to recapture the country and be the national pastime again for at least a portion of time, if not into the fall. Whenever football comes back, with or without fans, you have an opportunity. Seize the moment. Find a way to overcome the obstacle of money. Because, yes, you're losing money. But don't make it sound like you're going to the poorhouse. Don't make it sound like the franchise is going under. Don't make it sound like a player who takes a 10% pay cut can't feed the family. I understand it sucks. I understand you've got a collective bargaining agreement. Everybody's got to bend here. These are unforeseen circumstances. This is uncharted territory. These are waters we've never been in before. So don't make an ass of yourself. Don't alienate a fan base that is begging, dying, waiting with bated breath for you to go back on that field because you're not settled. The financial scenario under circumstances none of us could have ever imagined. Find a way to get on that field if you can do it safely. If you don't, shame on them, and I am gone. It is unacceptable to not play baseball this year if you can do it safely. There's a chance that baseball drops the ball once again, bigger picture-wise, and we've spoken about it on this show, and that involves its fans being a part of the social media world, being a part of making fans feel like they're part of a team or they know the players, there's not the same involvement as there is with the NBA and the NFL as we know. So if this goes as south as it possibly can and the owners refuse to budge, the players decide that they'll bend a little bit but obviously not break, and this doesn't get rectified, as you mentioned, the Casual fans that don't necessarily know the X's and O's of, of what's happening are going to just immediately say, well, what, what's the problem with the players? How come they're not taking the deal? Look, the owner said, here's the games you'd play. Here's what you'd have to do. Take the field. These are millionaires. What are they doing? And instead of the anger going toward the owners, which nine times out of ten it should in professional baseball, the players will be blamed by the casual fans that they could have brought in to the ballparks and had as fans people that, well, you know, baseball, I catch a couple games every year when I can, would be tuned in every day because, as you mentioned, nothing else is going on. So you're losing the casual fan that would have tuned in this time, and that fan is going to turn against the players that you should be promoting now on the field. It's the perfect storm for people to care about Major League Baseball if it's done correctly because nothing else is going on right now. Ronick's thought process that we'll lose less if we don't play because the numbers tell them that shows no forethought whatsoever because it will so damage the game in the years to come. 
it will be absolutely irreparable in terms of the damage they will do to the game if they make the decision that we can't do this, we would rather not play because we will lose less money by not playing versus playing in empty ballparks. If the owners have that mindset, if that's going to be their approach and they will be unbending, then I have nothing left. I have nothing left to give to the sport that I have loved my entire life, that I have worshipped watching, that I have gone to, and I defend constantly, even the old school style of play, uh, that I defend constantly. Where I said, if you don't like it, find something else. If it's too slow for you, it's too bad. You know, if you don't have the attention span of a firefly, you go to the game, you're constantly got your face in your phone, don't go. You know, stop bitching. This is baseball. You know, go get on your social media and, you know, tweet nonstop. This is the way the game is played. Can we speed it up if we do some things? Absolutely. Do some proper things? Absolutely. But to not play, and i tell you something else that, that burns me. I, I don't want to hear this BS. That's right. Because I don't want this bullshit from players, well, you know, quarantined away from my family. Wait a second. You spent half the year away from your family. You're on the road half the season. It's not like we're sending you to Siberia. You're going to be in a hotel room, okay, with room service nonstop. You're going to be able to FaceTime your wife and your kids all the time when you're not playing. You're not being sent off to the Russian front. So this notion of, well, I'm going to be away from my family. You're away from your family for half of a six-month season. So you're going to be away from your family for a three-month season, July, August, September. FaceTiming constantly, constant access, those days are gone. Even I realize that you can see your family when you're not there. And I'm a proud man of the 80s. So I don't want to hear the players with this BS about, oh, well, you know, I don't know if I can be quarantined. You know, what kind of life is that? What kind of life is that? What do you call road trips? What do you do? You live in the hotel, you go to the ballpark. Go to the hotel, dinner, ballpark. Hotel, dinner, ballpark. Get in the bus, go to the airport. Go to the next city. Hotel, dinner, ballpark. Hotel, dinner, ballpark. That's it. Bus. Hotel, dinner, ballpark. Airport. That's the way you live your life. Come home for a couple games. See the family. Get back on the plane. All right? So you can be away a little longer. You got constant access to your family. Don't give me that BS. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear you know, I'm going to be with my family for too long. I'm sorry. This is the business of shows. So you don't want to go to work because you're going to be away from your family a little longer than normal when you can have constant access to your family on that computer in front of you that's going to be in your hotel room or on the phone that's in your head that's going to be with you 24-7. That's why you don't want to go to work. And oh, by the way, you're not digging ditches. You're not making twelve fifty an hour. That's the part that will tick me off about the players. I have no problem with the players not taking, wanting to take a big haircut. Yes, give back some. 10%, maybe 15 if they get enough games. You've got to give us more games. You've got to give them more games. Hey, beggars can't be choosing. I'll take 82. If it's okay with the players, I'd like 100. Give me some seven-inning doubleheaders. Come on. Well, Let's go to seven-inning doubleheaders when I was a kid with my dad. Triple-A baseball. When I was a kid, minor league baseball, triple-A doubleheaders started. Originally, it was one game was nine. Second game was seven. Then they changed it later on when I was to get both games seven in. Why can't we do that? It's an experiment. We've got this opportunity to do tremendous things with the game. 
Why not do it now? And then I hear this, oh, well, you know, put an asterisk by it. Is it a real title? Let's have a three-week tournament. What kind of a run a three-week tournament? You know, does anybody say Tim Duncan doesn't have five rings? Does anybody not count Joe Gibbs Super Bowl in half a season? Does anybody say Tim Duncan's got four and a half rings? No, Tim Duncan's got five rings. That one counted. Joe Gibbs got three Super Bowl rings. That one counted. It'll count. That's what we got to do. Make the best of a horrific situation. Make the best of it by putting forth an effort to put the product on the field, one, safely, and then economically figure it out. Yeah, the economic side should be the easiest part, you would think. The the money side, the business side, you would think they would be able to come to a, a faster conclusion than we've had so far, and hopefully it comes soon. The difficult been sitting part, out there for three weeks. Exactly. And it's, what are we even doing? It's going to be back and forth, back and forth for who knows how long. What should be the holdup is how we're going to do this safely, as you said. And it's something that the NBA has toiled with more recently with Adam Silver coming out with his plan of, of how he thinks they can get back onto the court, or at least to practice, not even just the court, how much testing they'll do. Today we find out they sent out a text message to the teams. Would you play this season? Yes or no? Somebody else worded it a little bit differently. Like, would you be up for playing this year? Yes or no? Now, I don't know if they're going to split that into groups. Like, a team that has 19 wins, I'm assuming, is going to have different answers than a team that's fighting to get into the postseason. That's just me, especially if they would still get paid. Similarly, that's what they're going to deal with. But what hasn't really been answered, and they finally tried to answer this the other night is no one has given the scenario of what happens when not if a player gets coronavirus it's bound to happen with this many players this many teams this many workers behind the scenes people just think it's the players oh these 20 somethings will be fine put them on the baseball field there's coaches trainers yeah it's not just Letting them go out there and secretaries—it's not a pickup game. Scouts, umpires—we're not playing a pickup game in the Sandlot Park where everybody comes home at seven when the lights go on in the town. There's why baseball has this unique opportunity because it is far and away the safest of the games because of the lack of proximity of the players. Yes, the catcher and the batter are relatively are, are close together. They're not six feet apart. Yes, they all touch the ball. Right? But unlike the other sports, there is practically no physical contact. There's not as basketball, many opportunities, to say the least. Well, basketball, there's constant contact. Right, exactly. Football goes without saying. It's a game of contact. That's why baseball is clearly the safest. And I just, you know, once you run everybody through the tests and everybody is A-OK, you figure out a way to keep everybody quarantined in their separate areas, isolated, and play. Plain and simple. You have, you must have containment. Containment is the only way you can deal with the scenario. Now, what they're doing you know, in in the Korean League, if somebody tests positive, they shut down for two weeks. Well, that'll kill this. 
you shut down for two weeks in this scenario, season's over. Right. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. The NBA is hopeful that if one player gets it, they'll just take them off the team, quarantine them separately, but the show goes on. So the hope is if one player gets it, God forbid, he they, they find out quick enough, they quarantine him quick enough, and it doesn't spread to the players on the field. Now, there's so many unanswered things with that in both leagues, in all the leagues. What happens if it's your star player? What happens depending who it is, the catcher that – Unfortunately, it might be something where you're just going to have to maybe deal with it if it happens. And then if it happens in an, an, a more awful way where it's not just one player on one team, it starts becoming teams, plural, and star players. I mean, then you run into a, an incredible circumstance where you get to the point where you might have to say, well, maybe we have to cancel the season now or put it back on break. But Hopefully those are all plans that people have in store and in mind if those things come up. But the first hurdle that we've had to face isn't that. It's the owners and the players, which you would think would be the easiest thing to solve. And hopefully it is. But we know baseball. For example, what what was the reception like back when the strike happened in 1994? They lost the World Series. Baseball obviously came back in 95, but... What was the reception from baseball fans at that time? When the season came back, was it well-received, or did it take some time for people to trust baseball again? I, I will hearken back to that time frame. I went on strike. I did, not, I did not watch a Major League Baseball game in 1995 until the night that Cal Ripken uh, broke LeGarrette's record. I watched it as a Tribute to Cal Ripken because I saw him come up in my hometown of Rochester where he played for the Rochester Red Wings. I watched his father, who was the manager of the Red Wings. I watched his younger brother. Um, so when the night he broke the record was the first game I watched. I took I went on strike for the, as a fan for the entire season. Didn't go to a game, didn't watch a game. And it was a it was really the night that kind of brought the game back. Because people like yours truly were incredibly angry. Uh, they were upset. They had, were fed up with the players and the owners uh, when they came to the impasse. Because 94 had the makings of a stunningly great season in terms of the teams that were having amazing years. The Expos, the Yankees, the Indians. Matt Williams was chasing Babe Ruth and Roger Maris. Um, which was a home run race pace uh, that we never got to see. The Indians were having an offensive season that was off the charts. The Expos were terrific. The Yankees were great. And it was a season that was taken out from under us. And my attitude was enough is enough. I had seen work stoppages, I had seen strikes, I had seen shortened seasons, and I just had had enough now because it was it wasn't eighty one anymore. It wasn't you know the seven. It wasn't the battle for the re- breaking the reserve clause. Right? It was just 
one more time of the same old shit. You know, it wasn't a battle for free agency. There was free agency now. It was just the inability of how are we going to split up the money, okay? Uh, of, of how are back then the hundred millionaires going to deal with the millionaires? Now it's billionaires versus you know millionaires. But the point is, it was just so debilitating the thought of not having a World Series and a season that was such an exciting exciting season being just ended in the blink of an eye. I was so angry that I, I, I said, screw them. Screw them. I didn't care about anything. Didn't follow anything. Didn't look at the standings. Didn't watch a game. And then the night of the, uh, the night of the, of the record, uh, I came back. So, and I wasn't the only one that was angry. Believe me. Uh, you know, it, it really took, um, that was the start of it, but it took McGuire and Sosa to really bring baseball back, you know, a few years later with the home run race and, um, they're chasing down Roger Maris. That was really what brought the game back. And I will be incredibly angry at both sides. Um, if they can't come to a financial agreement, uh, I will probably be most upset with the owners. But it'll depend upon where they leave off on this negotiating. So obviously, they'll both paint it in their favor. Uh, but I'm most upset with the owner's proposition right now because I think it's ridiculous. I think 82 games is ridiculous. There's no reason they couldn't play 100 games. And I think revenue sharing is, you know, you're, you're changing the entire financial scenario amongst the parties. Uh, because of unforeseen circumstance, you've got a collective bargaining agreement. Abide by it. You want to go to the players and say, we need you to take a little bit of a hit because this, you know, we're playing without fans. Players have to understand that. Okay. Pay us pro rata. Give us many, give us many games. We'll play more games. We'll play double headers, but, and, and we'll take a pay cut, but you know, we're, we're not owners either. And if that is something that I don't see both sides with an approach that first and foremost is to get the game on the field, if it can be done safely, it's simply not acceptable, not acceptable. And I will be livid and I will take it out on both sides and I will never go to another game and I will never watch another game. Because it's unforgivable, especially considering the environment that we're in. We're in an economy right now where 14% unemployment is the highest since the Depression. Businesses are closing and will not reopen. There are businesses that are gone, lost, done, history. And I mean the real small businesses. Not when they talk about the small businesses of America, you know, when you've got uh, 200, 200 or less employees. I mean real small businesses. Three, five, 10, 15, 25, 50 employees. Those are real small businesses. You know, 150, 150 employees, maybe a small business from the federal government's point of view and Donald Trump's point of view and Congress's point of view. A small business to me is you know, less than 50 employees. That's a small business. Those people, mom and pop shops, three, five, 10, little restaurants, you know, diners, uh, you know, bookstores, 
jewelry stores, places, they're not coming back. They're not coffee shops, the delis uh, that haven't been able to stay open at all. Uh, some have, obviously, under the circumstances. But, you know, a lot, a lot of the smaller restaurants, uh, they've been relying on takeout delivery. But, you know, specialty stores, they're, they're not coming back. We're going to be closed for three months. Unless they're fortunate enough to be independently wealthy, where the business is a hobby, that's one thing. But if that's how you're making your living, you're not making a living. Those businesses are not coming back. You have to show those people that you care. You have to show those people that you understand. You have to show those people that we are here not just to play, to be paid, not just to put a product on the field to make money from you because we won't be making a lot of money from you because you can't come to the ballpark, but you're still paying your cable bill. So we're going to give you a product. We're going to give you something to watch. We're going to give you something to enjoy. We are going to do our best to still entertain and play the game that we love to play. You grew up playing in front of nobody. High school ball, travel ball, college, yes, some in filled stadiums, some not so many. Minor leagues, not nearly the size of the crowds. Parks not packed. Go play. You're getting paid massive amounts of money. Take a little bit of a hit and go play. If you can do so safely and have fun and play as many games as you can and show the people that you're out there to give them a product to enjoy when they need it, unlike they've never, uh, unlike they've ever needed it before. We played baseball during World War II, the biggest conflict in this country's history. That wasn't intra amongst ourselves, i.e., the Civil War. We played through that. We can play through this as long as we can do it safely. You get on the field and you give the fans something to take their minds off of the fact that they have nothing. Right. They have nothing. In some places, you're still not supposed to leave the house. Well, you want to know what? I've got a captive audience. I've got a captive audience. They can't go out and do anything. They can't go anywhere else. They can't go to any other events because there are none. They can't watch anything else in terms of games because there aren't any. You are the only game in town. Seize the goddamn moment. And as Boog Shiambi has said, make baseball fun again. Now's your opportunity to promote the game to people that don't normally watch it. Now's your opportunity to promote your young players to people that don't normally watch it. Now's your opportunity to promote what happens during the game itself. There's not going to be anyone in the stadium, and we're going to be able to hear a lot of stuff unless they find a way to have, like, white noise going in the background so we can't hear what's being said. But that's been some of the best content baseball has given us over the past couple of years when they have guys mic'd out in the field for spring training or the all-star game or whatever it may be. People love hearing them just talking about what they're doing. Talking about and, it at and bat, in the regular season, and in the regular season, if you get to the twelfth inning, you want to put a guy on second base with two outs. 
Go ahead for Christ's sake. Yeah, right. Exactly. I'll live with it. Try I everything can live with now. Universal DH. I can live with that. We got to get as many games in as possible. So let's can the eighteen inning games. Okay, I can live with that this year. It's a lot of things I can live with this year. A lot of things. But let's get it on the field. Let's try some things. Can the replay speed the game up? Don't need it. Let's try that. Gentlemen's agreement, like we're in the sandlot. Did he tag you? No. All right. Did you tag me? No, I didn't get you. All right. Let's move on. Didn't feel it. Safe. Didn't feel it. I, it. Didn't feel it. They're grown men. You can make your own call. You've been didn't like you said. It. This is something that you did your whole career too. At, at some points, you know if you got him or not. Just be honest about it. No, he's he's safe. All right, move on. We got two games to play today. Let's go. Exactly. It can be done. At least it on paper. It can be done. It can be done. All right. We started making masks. Okay. We started making garments. We started making the ventilators instead of cars. We can do anything if we put our minds to it. We're working on an antidote. Okay. We're working on the cure. It's not here yet. We'll get it. We'll find it. But in the meantime, we can do this. So smart people. So act like smart people. Don't act like greedy asses and figure it out. Look at the big picture. Don't look at it in, 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 you know, in terms of this finite 82 to 120 game season. Look at it for the future. Look at it for next year and years to come. You can recapture a nation. You can be the salvo. You can be the heroes again. You can be the only game in town. What are you waiting for? Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Well, before we get out of here, you want to speak about the Dallas Cowboys, ladies and gentlemen. So I, I have to pose the question like a morning show anchor does to her two-sided diatribe and yellers of sports radio. Andy Dalton was the quarterback backup signed by the Dallas Cowboys. Well, we think backup quarterback. Turned a lot of heads, had the talking heads screaming about whether this was good or bad for one Dak Prescott, the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, what, whether he should be paid, whether they should just kind of let this ride, and if he doesn't have it anymore, throw Andy in there, see what he can do with this new offense, this new coach. What do you have to say for the Dallas Cowboys? Well, America's team, how about them Cowboys? First of all, as you know, I'm a, as the folks out there know, I'm a, a Raven fanatic. So uh, I, I think one of the, you know, because a lot of the prognosticators, you know, are picking their best games of the year. And of course, they, they pick Ravens and, and Chiefs um, off right off the top. But I think what has a chance to be a Super Bowl matchup. Would be, I believe, 13th week. Don't quote me on that. Ravens-Cowboys. Now, again, we're ju- jumping the gun, assuming we're going to play 
the National Football League's games with or without fans, which I think the National Football League is going to play. I, I, I think the National Football League will play without fans. I think the National Football League will simply say, I think the players will say, be damned. I think they're going to play. I, I, I truly believe that. And I think they'll play without fans if they have to. So I think the players want to play. And the players will play. And I think they'll say, virus be damned. I really believe that. Uh, because of the nature of the game, because of the salary structure of the game, because of the life of the NFL player in terms of their, their playing career, as limited as this. But back to your the topic at hand, I, I thought this was a tremendous signing. I thought it was a great fit because you've got a quarterback who is your budding star, who you're trying to figure out how you're going to pay him. You can franchise him for the next two years if you want. You know, and, and keep him under control. Um, that way, you can sign him to a long-term deal, whether it's four years or five years, which I think eventually they will too. And you now have, regardless of what you do, terrific insurance. You have a quarterback who, regardless of what anybody thinks of him in Cincinnati, Andy Dalton has been a successful quarterback. Not great. But successful. He's taken the Bengals to the playoffs. He's won a lot of games. If you look at the numbers, he's in the, at the top of the charts in terms of his career, in terms of wins versus the rest of the National Football League. Uh, he's, he's very high in wins. And the last few seasons, the Bengals have been awful. But Andy Dalton is a solid, workmanlike, winning quarterback who is making a nominal salary as a backup in Dallas. He's the perfect fit. He came in with the attitude of it's Dak's team. I'm here to help. You could not have a better insurance plan. This is not a guy who shot. This is not a guy who can't throw. This is not a guy who couldn't make all the throws or throw the ball down the field. Does he have a rocket? No. He's got a legitimate NFL arm. He's healthy. And he's always been literally solid. That's Andy Dalton, solid NFL quarterback. Is he a rich man's Ryan Fitzpatrick? That may be a way to describe it. But the point is, you now have a terrific insurance policy because you had who? I'm not even sure who the backup was. You know, what, what was going to happen if Dak Prescott got hurt? Who's the backup quarterback going to be? This isn't a shot to hell. Now you have a clear and convincing safety net, which makes this team, in my mind, a legitimate between, not because they signed any dumb, but in what they did in the draft and what they did in free agency in the offseason, I believe they're a legitimate Super Bowl contender in the NFC. And now they have an insurance policy where, like last year when Drew Brees went down and we thought if Teddy Bridgewater could just hold the fort, we knew what Teddy Bridgewater was, but we didn't know if he still had that capability because he'd not been on the field. And Teddy Bridgewater worked out great. Not only did he hold the fort, I believe, if memory serves me correctly, he was undefeated and reaped the benefits with the Carolina Panthers. Well, now Andy Dalton in a one-year deal is a perfect fit where he can hold the fort should Dak go down for two, three, 
five games because there's enough supporting cast around him to win plenty of games with him as the Dallas Cowboys quarterback. Absolutely positively. You are still in the NFC East, which has two hideous teams that should be four. I know any given Sunday, but there should be four automatic wins in the NFC East against, you know, the hideous giants and the awful Redskins. This is a very good Dallas Cowboy football team. I can't disagree. Um, Unfortunately, I thought that last year, especially after the start they got off to, and it was, who's going to beat these Cowboys? And then all of a sudden, the wheels completely fell off the cart, which has happened once or twice to the Dallas Cowboys. As I tell my friend, who's a diehard Dallas Cowboys fan, nothing good will happen to that franchise while Jerry Jones is in charge of it. And as far as I know, he's still in charge, so I can't put all my eggs into their basket. But on paper, I agree. You, if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, you have to be thrilled with your prospect of what you're going to put on the football field this season. Because in Philly is up in the air. You've got young quarterbacks at your other two teams in the division. You squeaked by last year with a garbage record to get into the postseason. You could do that again as long as you get in. No problem. And as you mentioned, if the worst happens to your quarterback, you have an answer for somebody that can win you football games. Now, might it get to the point, which wouldn't surprise me either, in Dallas where they might drop two out of three to start the season or three out of four, and the boos will rain down and the calls for Andy, the Red Rocket will be loud (laughs) for Jerry. And he'll be talking to the media every damn day about what he's going to decide to do and if Dax is quarterback. And I, uh, please, Dallas, just get off to a good start so we don't have to deal with that nonsense because it'll be every day. What are you doing at quarterback? We're going to get it anyway in the preseason. There's going to be a preseason game, if they have preseason, where something happens and that'll start the train of is Andy Dolan going to take away Dak Prescott's starting job? Dear God, it's going to happen. It will. But just on paper, all that aside, I agree. Watch out for the Cowboys. And in general, watch out for sports. Because as we wrap up here, a lot of stuff's going to happen again this week. Jeff Passan said it yesterday with SVP. It's, it's going to be a brutal week for baseball. If you're a fan or if you're a player, it's just going to be a, a bloodbath. And now in college sports, Emmert is coming out and saying the NCAA is not going to decide if athletics are going to come back in the fall. They're going to leave it to schools. Parts of California are saying they're not coming back at all for the fall. We'll have more to talk about about this next week because this is the continued revolving door of who's going to be playing sports first. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Johnny, good to be back with you, uh, folks. For my partner, the great John Tiny Lund, uh, I am Al Renato AKL from White Plains. <sighs> Stay safe and try and find some sports to have. A we got the last week. dance. One more go with the last dance One on Sunday. One more time with Let's the last go. dance. One more time, and we will talk about it when next we meet.
We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.